Welcome back to Travel Support Thursday, number Hi. 14. Is it 14? 15? 15? I think it's 15. Whoa. Welcome back to Travel Support Thursday, number probably 14 or 15. One Hello. of those two. I don't, we've done a lot of these things. We've just been, this been... There's been so many Thursdays. <laughs> so We're going to have 365 Thursdays. Thursdays at some point. That's yes. going to be fun. Yes, yes, yes. Travel Thursday. This is... Travel Thursday. I'm getting used to this. <laughs> God, the jingle continues to mystify me as to why anyone would ever want to hear it, but we keep doing it. Every I hope you like it. I hope you like it. Please, if anyone out there doesn't like the jingle, I would oh, love no. for you to tell me immediately why? so we can drop it as quick as possible. Why would you stir up some drama like that? <laughs> just... Everything's going just fine. Just fine. Just a it. So, Travel Thursday, we are in... A new location. Surprise. We are no longer in Vietnam. Yep. Sad. We just finished up that trip and God, what an experience it that was. It was really We're incredible. We're going to talk about that a little bit in this episode. Uh, we just made it to Tokyo, one of our favorite cities ever. You know, what What are we doing in Tokyo? We are, we're sitting back, relaxing. We're chilling, Shooting son. some b-ball af- after school <laughs> shooting some b-ball outside of the school when a, when a couple, couple of guys, guys they, they were up to no good they started making trouble in my neighborhood i got in one little fight and my mom got scared she said she- you're coming to tokyo japan before you head home for the holidays <laughs> that's uh <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what she said that's so it. we're here for a little bit mm-hmm. catching up on some work editing and of course relaxing our hotel has a sento or a public bath so we are maximizing yes that time so today we're going to talk about our awesome time that we had in vietnam there's mm. just truly no place like it i no. think we're going to answer some of your questions about how to spend two months in southeast asia yeah. and the 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 burning burning question of travel burnout does it happen to us how do we deal with it yeah what do we do do we ever get yep. bored on the road things like that and how to prevent it over like a long time and it, we'll get yeah that question's about a one-year trip specifically which i think is a very common amount of time to take yeah. on a trip but we have so many thoughts about all these topics and we created an entire itinerary for this like two months across southeast asia trip which i'm really excited about and i do think I don't know if I were going to Southeast Asia for the first time for two months. I think this is exactly what I would do. And yes, but. in case you're wondering, Josh made a spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Okay. Yep. So what we just did in Vietnam, we were there for about two weeks. Yeah. And we spent a couple of days in Hanoi. And then we went to Halong Bay. And then we went from there to Ninh Binh, mm-hmm. which was one of the highlights for us. Absolutely yeah. beautiful place. Very backpacker focused right now. I think it's going to grow into this kind of like luxury-ish resort destination if i had to like track where it's headed so i would mm-hmm. say if you do go to vietnam now's the time to go to ninh Binh for mm-hmm. sure from there we took a train down for 12 hours during the day and man was that an experience way more lively than i'd ever experienced in <laughs> definitely on a train. not not for rest and relaxation no, i would no, say no 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 not even remotely and definitely not one that you should take after spending i don't know four or five hours karaoke with friends till 2 a.m <laughs> oh in the morning my god <laughs> <laughs> the wrong time to take a train for sure. It was definitely a fun experience. You start, I mean, that that like train ride gave me a glimpse into, yeah, just how a lot of local people travel. It's just, it was such a, it was such a fascinating long journey. <laughs> yeah. So we took the train all the way down to Hawaii. 
where we got to experience all the local culture, delicious food, and all of the local scams, of which there are many. <laughs> and then from there to Da Nang, which was very built up. Very beachy. It felt almost like a Cancun yeah. sort of feel. Unfortunately for Da Nang, we were only there for a day, so I feel like mm. we didn't really get to see the the other parts of Da Nang. We were there specifically on the beach in the resorty parts. Yeah. Got to spend only like 36 hours there or whatever. Part of it, part was, of it really was food poisoning too. Food poisoning as well. Yeah, so. That did happen. Yeah. And then after that, that flew, was pretty much it. Like we flew, flew into Saigon. We had a day and a half there mm. and rounded the trip out with an incredibly hectic and overwhelming <laughs> big city. How would you, three words, how would you sum up our trip in Vietnam? Whoa. Three words. Or, or just how would you sum up Vietnam in three words? I would say... That's already three words. <laughs> <laughs> the first word that comes to mind is overwhelming because mm -hmm. that's the first thing that I felt mm -hmm. as soon as we landed and got into Hanoi. It was just kind of madness, especially considering like where we had come from right before that. There was a big juxtaposition and energy and kind yeah. of... It just kind of felt like also crossing the street was a very dangerous thing to do and that... There were motorbikes everywhere and it was so loud and so like it was just overwhelming in every aspect, not just in the craziness of it, but also in how beautiful it was. And the food and the how food. much variety, like yes. every stall sold every single Vietnamese. I mean, we we spent two weeks there and we didn't get to try everything no. that we wanted to try. No, I still want to try more Vietnamese yeah. food. So I think overwhelming is for sure my first word. Okay. What, what do you think of word number two? Oh, there's so much wrapped up into this word, but, and I don't know, can I cuss on this channel? Yeah, yeah. Let it the fly. First word, the first word that comes to mind is just, is badass. Like every <laughs> sure. single human being, I think, that we interacted with, that we encountered, every single, every, like the history of Vietnam, everything that... I don't I don't know. That's how I sum it like yeah. that's how I sum it up. Every single person there is so resourceful and strong and, and tough. Tough. Like eat yeah. physically, like physically, right? Like there are women just carrying loads and loads of fruit baskets everywhere. They're they're rolling these gigantic carts up up a freaking hill. And then, you know, there was a woman rowing four of us in a boat, like hours at a time. And I just I mean, that's just like one part of it. But then there's also the, like all the people with all their side hustles, all their businesses. And just to know everything that the people of Vietnam have been through mm -hmm. as a country and to come out just like moving on, keep going. They're so resourceful. They're so badass. I just, yes. I have so many feelings about it, but that is like <laughs> one of the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, that's true. Just like a totally indomitable spirit yeah. is what we saw in every aspect of life. Just using every single resource available to them to yep. make do. Like we would meet so many people like running street food stalls, for example, mm -hmm. and then they'd just like be listening to English lessons on the side or yeah. they'd have papers like they wrapped our bun me um, sandwiches in in English lesson papers. And yeah. I just like, I don't know, the amount of creativity and resourcefulness that goes that goes into living in Vietnam is just incredible. Incredible to me, inspiring. And I think that leads pretty well into my third word, which is growing. And I think mm. that that's what's happening everywhere that we saw. Stuff is being built. Infrastructure is being fixed up or made better or yeah. built entirely anew. Brand new internet going all across the country. There is 
new train lines being developed. There are buses that go everywhere. There are huge skyscrapers being built. There's cable just like cars. Cable cars that being, just like are yes. serving commuters. Like yes. yeah, it's just like such an incredible country. I mean, there's a part of me that wishes we went 10 years ago, five years ago, because it it was incredibly busy when we mm -hmm. went in all of the bigger cities like Hanoi, Saigon, um, Hoi An. Um, they were very, very popular um, cities. But yeah, like you can already tell that Vietnam is gearing up for like mass tourism. For sure. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what Vietnam will be like in five to six years. I kind of wish we had also seen it five to six years ago because it definitely was busier than I anticipated it um, would be. Yeah. But I think the thing that I loved about traveling through the country was even though we were hitting up a lot of the big cities, popular, you know, tourist spots that you go on when you go to a country for the first time, mm -hmm. um, there were always small little gems that were to be discovered. You know, if you just didn't look up things, like I think almost invariably, the best restaurants that we ever ate at were the ones that were not on Anthony Bourdain's list. <laughs> Didn't have like 5,000 Google reviews. Yeah, it like, wasn't on the Michelin star list. The Vietnam. ones that we like just didn't, didn't think to try or, you know, I think there is a, I think there is a lesson in this for us too. And, you know, I think there's a tendency that we have whenever we're going to a new place to like want to find the best possible experience. Yeah. To want to find the, the thing that makes us feel the most safe that helps us avoid food poisoning, which <laughs> funnily enough, we don't even know what caused it because there Could was not, not a situation that we felt like warranted it. Yeah, it just like happened. Right. It could have been a culmination of everything anyway. <laughs> but I think- It was probably the karaoke bus. <laughs> it was probably... Just you got sick yeah. <laughs> two days later. Yeah, it was just one of those things where like I felt like, the less that we planned and the more that we just kind of like we talked about before, let the universe surprise you a little bit. Mm -hmm. We found some of the the best experiences like the like the boat that we took to Katba or to Halong Bay was not one of the most popular and not. I think there were only 20 reviews of it. Yeah. You know, and it was our favorite experience ever. We met some yeah. really cool people. Along Highlighted the, way. the whole trip for me along with the karaoke bus along with yeah there were a lot of highlights but that for me was like that's the thing i'll remember is this like yep. kind of weird really cool boat company mm -hmm. that we found that took us in totally different parts of mm -hmm. halong bay i was just yeah i don't know when i think of our time in vietnam those experiences are what i will remember the most the ones that we didn't we didn't plan for we didn't predict or review review the crap out of yep yep <laughs> Uh, it's a long one. It's going to be a big one. You got to settle in for this one. It's a full journey. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a big one. Okay, let's get to the questions. Yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this two months in Southeast Asia thing. You mean your spreadsheet? I mean, yes. So our first question comes from at Where's Weddle, who asks, we have two months in Southeast Asia, February to March, and have little time to plan. Rewatching all of your videos for inspiration. Would love to know how you'd recommend a first timer to Southeast Asia spend these two months. We're flying in and out of Bangkok with a Singapore stopover. Nice. We like slower travel, so ideally staying places no less than a week before moving on. Thinking Bangkok, Chiang Mai, somewhere on water in Thailand, maybe Vietnam. Mm -hmm. I don't know. They're also very worried about the heat and humidity. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also at the end of the one-year budget, so they have to keep it affordable. Okay, okay. So questions like this, and this one in particular are the ones that immediately when we discuss them cause arguments between us. Oh, for sure. Instantly, because we both 
have so many places that we love and have opinions in this about area. We both have opinions about, about like which, uh, which like order to do them in and how to think about them and then what to do while you're actually there and how much money to spend. But after many, many hours of disagreements back and forth between us, we have picked out, I think, the best possible Southeast Asia trip over two months that we would do. You know, like like the ultimate thing that we would do. And I think definitely the thing that we would recommend to you. So we're starting off in Bangkok, which is awesome because I feel like Bangkok is one of those cities that's just so vibrant, so, mm-hmm. so awesome. And and just like there's so many great hotels, there's so many great restaurants, there's so many great street food stalls, so many night markets. Yeah. It's a great place to get started. Um You won't be bored there for yeah. seven days, that's for sure. No. And like if you do if you do get a little bit tired of the city life, I think one of our favorite things to do in Bangkok is like take the ferry to any other parts of Bangkok, like not just the big city part. Mm-hmm. Um and then you, there's so many day trips that you can take from the city itself. Yeah, and also so many cool parts of town that aren't just in that main downtown tourist area. Before we talk about where we go next after the first mm-hmm. seven days there, uh, since we're doing a week at each place and we have two months, I'm just going to say we're going to go to like approximately eight places. So that's that the total reasonable. total amount of yeah. spots we're picking. Bangkok is one of them, and then we got to end it at Bangkok at the end. Yeah. So I'm thinking... We're going to want to do two things, which is to not do more Thailand right away. And since you're flying in and out of Bangkok, right? So that means we're going to do no more Thailand after Bangkok until Mm. the very end. Because you have to be back there anyway to finish up the trip, right? Yeah. So back in Thailand, I mean, to finish up the trip. So also, since since we're moving a little slower, right? I would say we'd want to take the time to oscillate between like two extremes bangkok's crazy busy you're Mm -hmm. moving to light speed every single day and then probably do up next something more relaxed more beachy maybe more just like a slower pace of life Mm -hmm. smaller more so this is funny because i feel like this is one part where we sometimes get into little tiffs about because like Mm -hmm. i agree i think that is that that makes sense and it's exciting to go from a exciting place to a more relaxing place but i'm like but what makes the most sense? What's the most cheap <laughs> flight that I can get What's or the right. train? What's the closest? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could just book this entire thing based on like, where's the next cheapest Air Asia flight out to and yeah. then just take that. But I think that over that long of a period of time, and yeah. this kind of leads into that next question, is that like, you don't want to get burned out by just doing too much of like intense large city stuff. Yeah. I think. And I feel like we've had this happen to us where we did like, a Singapore, and then a Bangkok, and then a Hanoi. All three, like, very busy. We just got done with that, and we were exhausted, exhausted. halfway through it. And We were just like, oh, no more cars, <laughs> no, please. Yes, I just don't want to hear a motorbike for one minute, please. No humans in my personal <laughs> space, please. So, so I think from that perspective, I feel like, and this is where we come came to eventually, yeah. is that it's time to head somewhere a little quieter. More chill. A so from Bangkok... We thought it would be great to fly southwest into Malaysia, city called Penang. Yeah. And I think this has the best street food anywhere on planet Earth. Penang, Malaysia does. And also has this giant wooden Buddha at the top of a hill. It's a great place to rent a motorbike and kind of fly around everywhere. But then after three nights there, take the boat from there up to Langkawi, 
beachy, beautiful island destination. Also, Jersh's favorite place. My on favorite Fire place Earth. on planet Earth. I love Longkoi. There's so much exploration, a little bit of adventure there. It can be very quiet in some places. And you it- can also ball out of control and <laughs> and stay on a beach resort too. Yes. I mean, there are. There is a lot for everybody in Langkawi. Also, if you're like in this far and you're wondering like how much does all this cost, I put together a quick budget spreadsheet for this entire thing that laid out how much all of it costs. So like the TLDR of that is that this entire two months is like $6,500 for two people for everything that I'm about to say. But the breakdown of it and the details of it are in the description below in the link down there. Spreadsheets. Yep. Okay. So. Moving on, after we go from Bangkok to Penang to Langkawi, I think the next logical spot is Singapore for mm-hmm. seven days. Which may or may not work because it sounded like you had a stop in Singapore at some point, mm. maybe on the way to Bangkok or out of Bangkok. But yeah. I think Singapore, one week is definitely plenty of time to see Singapore. It mm. might be maybe a little borderline bit too much. hectic. Yeah. Um, like we we when we go i think we spend like four or five days and i feel like that's a good amount so you mm-hmm. can decide yeah if that's something that's a little bit too long there are day trips that you can take out there um on, in singapore too there are a couple of ferries that you can take out to some of the beaches as well that are way more relaxed super chill and not not a lot there i mean in fact i think we had to pack a picnic to one of the beaches because there was just nothing so yeah yeah but i mean you for sure like you won't be bored in singapore no. over seven days you'll have plenty of stuff to do it just depends on how long you can put up with all the heat and humidity that you're going to deal with there i mean i think the good news about singapore too is there are tons and tons of malls scattered throughout so like you can go and take a quick break into the mall have some delicious food at their food courts have a beer or whatnot Mm. and then go back out into the world and there's so much nighttime activity yes singapore wrapped up then i think it is time to head to vietnam and i think yeah Between those two places, since you said that you're worried about the humidity and the heat and the kind of craziness of it all, I think Hanoi and then Halong Bay and Ninh Binh Binh would be like your perfect area. They're all kind of right in the same rough area. They're all a couple of hours bus ride away from each other. I look back on our trip and Northern Vietnam was, I think, my favorite part of the entire trip. Granted, we didn't spend a ton of time in, in Southern Vietnam, but I think just like the lushness and the greenery and the history there there's something incredible about that area uh and the the weather at that time really helped (laughs) for sure three four nights in hanoi probably three nights in hanoi would be plenty and then off to halong bay for an overnight cruise and Mm -hmm. then down to ninbin for like two more nights take a bus back up to hanoi and fly out to our next destination which is hong kong would you put hong kong List. I would definitely put Hong Kong. I don't this. know. This See, this so is great. where we disagree. There's so much fun stuff to I do. I mean, there. Hong Kong is really cool, but I don't mm. know that I would stay a whole week there. Yeah, definitely, definitely, especially with okay. all the day trips you so can do. This to is islands. like our first. Yeah. I mean, we've been we've been you know debating about this for a while. I think my swap for Hong Kong would be Indonesia. You, uh, I see. <laughs> I just, I just like Bali. You yeah. know, like, but why long but does it Hong takes Kong to get even anywhere? count as Southeast Asia? Yeah. Yeah? 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 yeah. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> but I do see your point. Like, you might be out there thinking like, hey, when are they going to put Bali in there? Bali's a nice, relaxing, islandy destination. But I just, last time we were there, uh, we went to Ubud and that was amazing. Uh, Seminyak. 
Chengu area felt just so busy. Felt really weird and super busy. It's very. It's. I mean, from what we understand, it's changed a lot. Or, I liked Hong Kong. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know that I would spend a whole week there. I think I would. I think mm. I would. I think there's a lot to do, and I think especially after like the first two, two and a half days of doing all the touristy stuff downtown. When you start like expanding further out into mm-hmm. the further reaches of Hong Kong is where I think it gets really good. Like when we went and did that yeah. awesome boat trip to that island, that I think was my favorite day in all of Hong Kong. And there's like a lot more of that to be done. That was our third day. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. Well, so so my pitch would be like if if we weren't doing Hong Kong, I think I'd go somewhere else like Indonesia. Bali, I think might still be on that list. I mean, while it is. Certain parts of Bali were very, very busy. I I don't know. I would see other parts of Bali. I would go to other parts of Indonesia. There's incredible nature, incredible temples around the entire country. Just mm. think it's a, a completely different, different experience. Yeah. I also think one of the things that I found most fascinating about Indonesia was just like the differences between the different islands, right? Bali being one of them, the most popular and common one. And then Mm. the other islands like Java, even though it might not be a place that's like the most familiar to Westerners, I think it's an incredible and interesting place to visit. See, Heather, look at what you did to us. Look at what you've done. (laughs) This was like our past four hours. was honestly just this exact same thing, but with all these destinations. Yeah, when you added Hong Kong, I was like, huh? Okay, so after that. Okay, so after Hong Kong, right, I think the next spot, and this is a little bit of a curveball. This is a little bit of a curveball. I think we would recommend that you go to Okinawa from there. We? See, see, every time <laughs> we've literally talked about this and she's still disagreeing. She's still fighting this one. But also, I does think, that count as Southeast Asia? I don't know, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. And it makes sense with the next place that we're going after that. But I think that this I think Okinawa would be like the perfect spot to be able to get like a taste of Japan It's pretty affordable. It's pretty cheap to get to from Hong Kong, and it's like a very relaxing, awesome island destination with a mm-hmm. bunch of little island hopping to do around it after Hong Kong. I think, Kong. Heather, we need to know if you've been to Japan already. Yeah. Well, I mean, you did say Southeast Asia, and Okinawa is... is not Southeast Asia. See, what are the rules? Southeast, the... It's the closest to the Southeast Asia that Japan gets. We did add on the list Taiwan. Yeah. I just... I mean, we're biased, but... It's just an it's just, awesome just an place to awesome go. Place. <laughs> it's just and, so much good stuff. And it's one of those places that I think is super underrated because I don't think people think about it, visiting Taiwan. Mm-hmm. But I think it has incredible, incredible street food, incredible history, incredible nature. Like, I mean, you can visit Taipei, the biggest city, which is really cool, really, really metropolitan, easy to get around. But then like go 20 minutes, 30 minutes by train and be at like a beach or a mountain town yes it's so cool it's so accessible so affordable a bit humid uh Mm. depending on the time of year but this time of year is great it's like high of 70 low of like 55 or something i i mean yeah i find myself thinking like wow why didn't we go more often as a kid (laughs) i think after that it's time to head back to thailand Mm -hmm. so then we figured it'd probably be best to go to koh samui yeah it's like beautiful beachy destination you can ride a motorbike around it it's a little bit more relaxed pace of life and you also have kofinyan and kotao right next door kotao if you're into scuba diving great place totally go there 
I think that's also kind of the cusp of whale shark season there. Mm. So it could be a very interesting time to go. I would also mm. like to say this is also a part where we may have argued a little bit. Like, mm. I don't mean to be argumentative here or debate, <laughs> but I like there's just like one part of me <laughs> that needs to like smedge. I know it, it just we don't have enough time in this world is what we what we're learning. We don't have enough time. I love I loved Kosamoy and all the other islands, Kopipi. But I think like Chiang Mai, you can't go to Thailand and miss Chiang Mai. I would say you can't go to Thailand and miss Koh Samui. You know, it's like such a different side than Bangkok. Chiang Mai is so, I felt like it was such a special place because it's got the old town. It's got the mountains. You could home base in Chiang Mai like we did. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like take trips up to Qiangdao, to Pai, to all these incredible mountain, beautiful places. <laughs> I think you'd be, I think you'd be, you wouldn't be making a mistake with either of them. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't be doing it wrong with either of them. I think the nice way to end like a two month long trip in Southeast Asia is on a beach with a motorbike. You don't even like, like beaches. Kind of nice. Yeah. I just like to look at them. <laughs> I don't like to be on them. There's nothing to do on the beach. You know, you just like, it's just there and it's sandy and hot and there's nowhere to hide from the sun. It's just, it's nice to look at. It's nice to look at. (laughs) Don't you want to interact with things? (laughs) I like going for a swim, but then coming back in. But then if I stay out in the sun for more than 10 minutes, I'm just immediately burned. Like a lobster. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another vote for Chiang Mai. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Except for that'll be right around the end of burning season. Oh, that's true. So it should be, well, maybe everything will be clear up by the time that you're there, which is almost April or beginning of April. Okay. Anyway. Those are our thoughts. After that, take the next flight back to Bangkok and then fly out to wherever you're going to next. It sounds like this is maybe the end of your trip. So that's incredible. That's though, awesome guys. and crazy and a also kind of a year. sad moment to finish up a trip like that. But all right. And that's two months. So in total, that was like $6,500 for two people all in to do that. You can find the spreadsheet in our video description if you think it will be helpful. Mm-hmm. Feel free to take a look. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're if the, if you're hearing that and that's like way too much money, mm. I would probably cut out Singapore as that yeah. was the most expensive. Out of, it, there's just no hotels during that time of year for less than $100 and a Hong day. And Hong Kong. Hong Kong was also kind of expensive as well. And I think the flight yeah. from Taipei to Koh Samui was kind of expensive. Sure. And let us know what you guys end up deciding and yes. doing because we'd love to hear where you end up. <laughs> if it's Hong Kong or Chiang Mai. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. But I think that this question kind of perfectly leads into the next one. Yeah. Which is talking about a one-year trip mm. and avoiding travel burnout. What, yeah. What was this so, one about? Yeah. Our next question comes from Samantha Hall, 7180, who asks some really good question and told us, and told us that they're working on a one-year sabbatical travel plan, but they're worried about getting travel burnout or feeling a lack of purpose while traveling. Have you ever felt like that on your long trips? And what do you think of having a home base versus long-term travel? We've played with the idea of doing a month-to-month, month-on-month-off travel where we do one-month trip and then come back and work for a month, but don't want to miss out on the full backpacker experience either. Ooh, do I, yes. All, we hear all of this yeah, and yeah. feel it so much. Have we yeah. dealt with travel burnout? Of course. Definitely. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Like, yeah. And it comes in like clockwork. You know, like every two to three months, you just kind of like look at each other and you're like, 
what are we doing out here? <laughs> like I'm, I'm just tired. I miss our cat. We spent the past two days just watching Netflix inside, mm-hmm. and we're in Tokyo, and I don't know why we're here and what yeah. we're doing this all for. And you, it just you start taking things for granted that should never be taken for granted. Well, and you just start to, and and maybe this is like, right? We have to say all of this is a luxury that we even get to do any mm-hmm. of this, right? It's such a privilege that we even get to travel. And then get to go on a whole year trip, um, and and I think there therein lies the the issue though is like sometimes sometimes no matter what you're doing travel or not it becomes normal the thing that used to be a luxury becomes normal the thing mm. that you used to look forward to becomes normal so you just start to take it for granted mm. I don't know if it you know I think it's like did you ever feel like when you started your first job. You missed being in school. Oh no! But I hated school. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> I, I missed, hated school. Like there were times when I missed like summer break, or I mm. missed winter break, or I missed studying really hard for an exam and then being done with it and never having to think about that class again. Mm. There was something about that like built-in schedule that I could look forward to something. And then when I started my nine to five, yeah, it was great to start working and and making a real salary but then i started to miss i just think that eventually the more you do something and the more normal it becomes you start to like take it for granted so i almost feel like it's it's better to have like we love full time we loved full-time traveling i wouldn't change our one-year travel experience at all because i feel like i learned so much not just about the world and you and myself but just like what things i enjoyed about life and what what parts of our lives that we wanted to like keep holding on to and keep Mm -hmm. which is why we went from like full-time travel to now home base and travel but i think we had to go through that to get there yeah i mean you're about to embark on ostensibly a, a brand new life for a little while right like a full on change from whatever you were doing before to a fully new thing. And I think to expect yourselves to not only be good at it at first, but also to be able to just keep at it at a super hard pace over a long period of time is an unreasonable expectation. It's, and I've fallen into this trap before. And I think that the key to it, at least that I've found over time is to just build in breaks and Mm -hmm. to have grace for yourself to just stop for a little while and just do normal life stuff, whatever you'd normally do at home, just like build in time for a week to do that. But what I would really caution against is heading home. Mm. I think for me, there were a bunch of times, especially on my first trip when I was Mm -hmm. solo and I was doing it by myself that I just wanted to go home. Yeah. That I just wanted to quit, but I'm so glad that I didn't. I'm so, I mean, I damn near died on that first trip was homesick for like 40% of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was, it was rough. But the only things that got me out of that were just the thought of that. If I went back, I would just be giving up on this thing that I tried so hard to get. Like I'd spent years saving up the money just to be able to afford this one year sabbatical that I was doing. I had quit a job. I had like said goodbye to all my friends and family for a little while. I had set aside this time in my life to do a thing for the first time in my entire life that was just for me. Mm-hmm. And that thought of just giving that up because I was feeling sad for a little while or because I was feeling homesick to, to quit all of it 
was just impossible for me. There was no way that that was going to be the end of that trip. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it does come back to like the reasons, I guess, why we travel. And that will likely change, right? Like when we started and when when I think I asked you like, "Do you want to just take a one-year honeymoon?" Mm-hmm. I think my and my reasoning at the time wasn't wasn't because I was necessarily bored of my old life. Like I I loved our life. I loved our friends. I loved where we were living and I loved our apartment, but I remember thinking like there's so much in this world that I want to see. Yeah. 10 days is never enough, <laughs> you know? 10 days a year is not enough. Mm-hmm. And and there was just this feeling like if I don't do it now, when can I? I can't like take 10 days every single year, every single paycheck getting one more day, you know? I can't I can't wait. Like I I want there's so much in this world that I want to see. And after this one year, I mean the I think part part of how we luckily found purpose on our trip was YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Making these videos, editing was another way that we like kind of took some breaks from the art and the like the practice of traveling and just like sat down and worked on something that felt larger than what we were doing. Yeah, built something. Um so that helped, I think definitely, you know, having hobbies while on the road. I think some of you have asked us this like what are things that you do when you when you travel? You would play video games with your brothers. You'd mm. set aside time on the calendar to say every time, whatever time zone we're in, we're going to find time to play video games. Um, I would schedule in phone calls with my friends or my family back at home. I would dance, you know, like. Um, so there were a lot of different ways that we could still keep connected and take little breaks from traveling and make it feel a little bit more normal and routine. Right. Um, but I think like looking back on the whole year, like I really don't know that. I mean, there's I think what you're to your to your point, you know, you guys have been thinking about doing this one year versus month on month off. It's a really good question because now like we're at the point where, where we're traveling, but also have a home base so we can go home. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that we would have made that choice until we knew what full time traveling was going to look like yeah or if we didn't have our youtube channel yes also you know, that it's a lot mm-hmm. and i think having a home base has really helped us be yeah. able to like sustainably do this for years now right yeah. like this we're approaching year number four of doing foolish time travel plus youtube at the same mm-hmm. time there's a part of me that like wonders what our year would have looked like you know our actual one year honeymoon would have looked like had we not like done the youtube thing i mean i still think a lot of it was pretty pretty like in the beginning it started off really easy going we were just like documenting our travels and editing them and that like gave us purpose and that gave us like something to do on the side like a hobby as we like have done it more and more there's a part of me that wonders huh what would have that one year a year of nothing would have looked like because i do think there's sounds pretty awesome it does (laughs) actually it sounds pretty great and i do think there's um something about working through the like like sitting with the like the discomfort of being homesick, mm-hmm. you know, missing home, not feeling like I have something to do or work towards. I think mm-hmm. we're we're so used to getting stimulation from every yep. part of our lives, travel, social media, 
you know, everything that sometimes there's something special also just about sitting in the nothingness. Yeah, like when I think back about the Josh that left on that first trip back in 2011, the Josh that left on that first round the world trip and then the Josh that came home after a year were two fully different people, yeah. two totally different human beings mm -hmm. from when I departed to when I returned. Yeah. And I think that a lot of that change, some of it was good and some of it was bad. You know, it was just a lot of life kind of condensed into one year. I think a lot of that change came directly as a result of just having to confront all of these difficulties exactly like what you're describing, mm -hmm. some of which were boredom, mm -hmm. some of which were homesickness, some of mm -hmm. which were just, I had never been alone in my own head for as many days yeah. straight <laughs> as were there. And some of which was just a total lack of direction and purpose yeah. that I had to confront. And like up until that point, I had just been kind of doing the game plan that everybody else in my life was telling me was the right thing to do. And then for the first time, I turned all that noise off and I just went out and traveled forever and just started listening almost exclusively to what was going on in here. And there was a lot more crazy going on in there than what I expected, but also a lot of like truth and a lot of extremely clear opinions and like identities about what I should be doing with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And I would have never heard any of those ideas had I not also like suffered through some of those very difficult alone times and some of those very difficult homesick times and wrestled with like, why am I homesick? Yeah. Why do I feel bad about this? Why am why I, I feel guilty? Why am time? I on my dream trip, but still feeling very sad? Like why like, how can those two things coexist? I've been fighting for this dream forever, and now mm -hmm. that I have it, uh, some parts of it aren't as great as I thought it would be, and some parts of it are way better than I thought it would be. And all these, all these little things, moments, yeah. like, at least that's how I felt, is that had I gone home, I would have just never figured any of that out, and I would not have been able to actually, like, turn off all the other noise and just listen for the first time to what I actually wanted, to what was going on in my head. And actually confront all these little problems and all these little things that were causing around it. And I think I would have come home instead of a very different person. I would have come home the exact same person that I left. And that was not the point of the trip for me. Those are our, you know, experiences and our thoughts. I mean, I, I would say it's just it, it is completely normal to feel what you feel, you know, mm -hmm. traveling full time as it as glamorous as it is. Um, and as luxurious as it, as it is, still comes with, you know, feelings and emotions, homesickness, lack of purpose. Like mm -hmm. there are definitely times in our in our travels where I think, ah, oh, that's why we started this YouTube uh, yeah, channel. Yeah, like sometimes I miss my old job. Sometimes <laughs> I miss having like lots of coworkers. I miss having breaks. I miss having lunch hour. You know, all yeah. these different things. And so I think part of what the beauty of this, hopefully this sabbatical is figuring out, yeah, what you guys truly, truly enjoy and what you don't and, and what kind of life, I don't know, that you want to lead. I think that really was the surprising thing that came out of our trip for me. I didn't know that I thought we were just going to go back home and work for our old employers again. Honestly, mm -hmm. I didn't know that the that out of this one year trip would come a whole new lifestyle of travel, YouTube, 
building our own business. And I mean, I think, and then luckily in the last year, home base too. Yeah. Um, I definitely think it's one of those things that's not for everybody. We know people who still love traveling full time and who, or there are some people that have a home base or just are back at their old jobs. I mean, I think there's so many different ways to experience travel. And I think that's kind of the coolest and that's beautiful the thing it. about it. That's yeah. the point of it is to be able to turn off all the outside noise for a little while. And just See how and, other people live. And, yeah, just do the thing that exactly you want to do. Yeah. Whatever that thing is, to be able to do that. And I think practically speaking, I think we talked about this and kind of got off track a little bit, but I think practically speaking, helping set in structure on your freedom. I mean, right? Because it sounds so luxurious to have just a whole year of traveling, a whole <laughs> year of no work, whole year of nothingness. But actually for people like me, I love having purpose i love having a routine i ha i love having structure mm -hmm. so there were times where we just had to say okay this is what our day is going to look like tomorrow and so it helped me to plan things in advance to look forward to things um to have friends and family come and visit out on our trip mm -hmm. and to build in those breaks build in those breaks like wake up okay we're gonna have coffee this morning and then we're gonna go sightsee or okay today we're gonna play video games dance hula or you know talk with our friends those yeah. little things definitely went a long way yes i i really do hope that this was helpful in some way i know that a lot of this is kind of like hand wavy advice <laughs> and it's not really tactical because there isn't really like one size fits all yeah there's yeah. not there's not like one way to be like how do i cure homesickness well it depends what was home like and mm -hmm. how sick are you and like there's oh, how do i avoid burnout you know yeah. like a lot of it is just like going through it and realizing like what caused it to begin with Under and... understanding it yeah. yeah understanding it understanding it takes time and getting past it and the only way to do that is just to confront it why am i burned out i don't yeah. know i'm in another country i should be having fun but I feel like the whole world has been telling me that this is a place and a thing that I should be having fun doing, but I'm not. So I feel yeah. bad about that. And I feel double bad about the fact that I'm like tired on this other side of the world when I should be on this crazy adventure that Instagram has told me needs to be this nonstop fun thing from start to finish. But in reality has a whole bunch of different shades of emotions and fun. And sometimes it's not fun and sometimes it sucks. And sometimes it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And it just, it's like, a one-year sabbatical, I think, like you're about to do is just this condensing of like a decade's worth of stuff happening in your life all into one mm -hmm. year. And that means you're going to have a lot more ups and a lot more downs and a lot more of everything mm -hmm. that's going to happen in this year. And I think to like expect all of it to be amazing and to expect none of it to have any downsides or any burnout mm -hmm. or any like difficulties along the way is just... It's unrealistic, and I think it would be a kind of boring trip if it ended up that way anyway. Yeah, it's definitely the thing that, you know, we don't even show in our Three Days and X series, right? The, yeah. like, the things that go along with travel, but I think is important to talk about and is important to to face. I mean, yeah, we, we've lost loved ones, you know, on our trip. We've gotten mm -hmm. sick. We've had other family members get sick, you know? So there's a lot of things that happen in your course of travels that YouTubers don't tell you <laughs> or you don't see in the highlight reel and people think, you know, that you should be having the time of your life. But I think more importantly, when you're traveling is just to treat it like 
treat it like your normal life. Respect the feelings and respect the emo- <laughs> respect the emotions and the feelings that come with it. Yes, and give yourself grace and time to solve them and don't don't feel like you need to keep moving if you're feeling like you just want to lie flat on your face and watch a whole Netflix series for two days. Or build spreadsheets. Or build spreadsheets. Okay, that is enough <laughs> for this one. We have rambled on long enough about travel burnout. Uh, so... Please, please leave more questions down in the comments below if you got them again. We are loving them. That spreadsheet with all the in-depth costs and stuff is in the description below. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next Thursday. Bye. Bye.